Okay, well, if you all want to stand tonight, we're going to turn to page 186 and start by singing And Can It Be. So make sure you sing along tonight. Flamed with light 
Now, before we sing the last, I mean, we're talking about God's amazing love, and we're talking about how he died for us. So maybe we could smile about it a little tonight. Okay, I know we've had a Sunday afternoon, but let's smile. Let's sing about out about how much Christ loved for us, even though we don't deserve it. Okay. No condemnation now I dread Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head. approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own amazing love how can it be that God should die for Amen. Well, that uh, last verse says, uh, no condemnation now I dread. It's taken from Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where Paul said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And uh, so praise the Lord, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. And the question is, are you in Christ? I hope the answer is yes, and if not, then tonight would be the night for you to come to Christ and be saved. Well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. It's great to see each and every one of you back for the service tonight. Thank you all for being here. Let's pray together. Luke, would you mind asking the Lord's blessing upon this service? Amen. All right. Please remain standing as we sing our next song, 390 in your hymnals, Love Lifted Me, and the words will also be on the screen. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within seeking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me now safe am i love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me me when nothing else could help love lifted me let's have some fun tonight half the crowd's doing it half the crowd's not so when it says love we all go up on our tippy toes when it says lifted let's have a little fun with it tonight all my heart to him i give ever to him i cling 
in his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best souls. Faithful, loving service to him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He your Savior wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Amen. You may be seated. Give your legs a rest there from the workout. I'm really glad there's not 18 verses to that song. Um, We'd be in a world of hurt. And uh, that song, all these songs are reminding me of verses, but... Psalm uh, 40, and uh, verse number 1, David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. But uh, I love verse 2, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, and for a little bit of time in my life, um, that was one of my favorite verses. And uh, so I signed my name, because in Bible college, you know, you got to put a verse next to your name when you sign it, you know, because you got to be one of those cool hotshot preachers, (laughs) or at least want to be. And so I did that as I signed a letter to my wife. And so uh, this is back when we were dating. Well, she looked up Psalm 40 in verse number 2. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And she showed that to her mom, and they were kind of wondering, what kind of background does this guy have? <laughs> I mean, is he like this felon, this you know prison escapee? I mean, what kind of, you know, is he on the most wanted list? And uh, uh, yeah, the answer is yes <laughs> to all of those things. But anyway, so I changed my favorite life verse. But anyway, that was for a while one of my favorites. Okay, that has nothing to do with anything except for praise the Lord that He lifted us out of that horrible pit. All of us, uh, no matter how uh, what, what our background was, we were all in sin, and uh, He did uh, by His grace and love bring us up out of that. Okay, let's do our uh, monthly memory verse uh, for September. We had uh, a number of people. I quote it this morning. Uh, Do we have anybody else that would like to quote it tonight? All right. We have one over here. Very, very, very good. Good job. 
Anybody else? All right, we got a couple back here. Brother Corey? Amen. Amen. Good. Miss Catherine. Amen. The whole heart. Very good. Amen. Great. Anybody else? Okay, Miss Stephanie. Great. Excellent. Anybody else? Oh, all right. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 119.2. Great. Good job. Anybody else? <laughs> He's like, uh, see, now he gets to be up here. So, <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, do that all together here. Ready? Begin. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 119.2. All right. Very good. And a couple of quick announcements. Um, wanted to give kind of a reverse announcement over what happened uh, the last couple days here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And uh, we, had, uh, we had a teen garage sale that was amazing. And uh, I do want to just say thank you to everybody who donated to that whether it was items or baked goods, uh, it was a blessing, and uh, the Lord blessed in a, in a great way. I have a little video uh, that kind of shows a little bit of what it looked like as we were staging it in the, in the fellowship hall. We brought everything out here, um, but uh, as we were kind of getting it ready on, and when I say we, it wasn't really me, it was uh, Brother Blake and Miss Kalen and, and uh, others who helped with that, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, watch that real quickly at this time. This is Goodwill. No, this is our teen garage sale slash bake sale slash let's get rid of everything that people had in their garages. And here is the guy, the one in charge. Uh, no, that's the one in charge. <laughs> okay, that one over there is the one in charge, right here. Okay. Hey. Any words of wisdom? Um, we're super excited, and I hope a lot of people come out because we have tons of stuff. Yeah, and spend a lot of money. Thanks. Yes. All right, and people did. Uh, there was the Lord blessed. I think we raised over fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, $1,500 for that, and so praise the Lord. Thank you again uh, to everybody who helped on that, and I know that they greatly appreciated it, um, and uh, they were a little concerned. Brother Blake was saying to me, I think maybe at the beginning of the week, he said, I, I don't know if we're going to have enough stuff, <laughs> and then he was kind of kicking himself for saying that because then we had too much stuff <laughs> later on in the week, it seemed like, but, uh, but it was great, and uh, we were able to give out uh, with every customer. We gave them a an invitation to our church with the gospel on it, and uh, so that was great to get the gospel out in that way, and also uh, earn money as well. So um, praise the Lord for that. Uh, a couple quick announcements coming up. Uh, we do have, um, let's see, oh, speaking of the bake sale, um, we have goodies that are left over, and they are, 
they're still in the fellowship hall. So if you want to go by and uh, grab something to take with you, because otherwise, eventually it'll need to get thrown away. So if you want some yummy things, go by and grab it um, for free and uh, help us out with that if you would tonight after the service. Okay, um, Wednesday night, uh, regular service, and then Saturday, uh, we have a youth activity at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, so I think the teens are all aware of that, and uh, the parents that are involved, uh, you kind of know what's happening there. But then at 6 o'clock, there'll be a gap activity, and this is for anyone ages 30 through 55. Uh, we're going to meet at Alfredo's here and more at 6 o'clock, and uh, please sign up in the lobby if you would, so that we kind of have an idea of who's all coming. And then next Sunday, a week from today, uh, we will be having our fellowship meal after the morning service, and uh, we'll not have an evening service. We'll have just a little brief devotional after the meal in the fellowship hall, uh, but that'll be a, a great time together. We haven't had one of these since well before COVID, so it'll be nice to have a meal together as a church family, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the teens will be uh, providing the meal, and all of it's going to be here. You just need to show up and enjoy it and have a, have a, have a good time there. So uh, the other announcement I wanted to make here is, uh, if you notice uh, upcoming events, there's two things coming up in October that I just want to highlight here. October 17th, it's a Saturday. There'll be a ladies' brunch that day, and uh, we'll be giving you more details here in the next uh, week or so, week or two. Uh, regarding that, but uh, that is coming up, and uh, I do want to encourage the ladies to be a part of that. Um, and then the next day is Sunday, uh, October 18th. We're going to do an old-fashioned Sunday, and we will give you a little more information about that as well as we get closer, but that should be a fun day uh, to dress up old-fashioned, and um, we'll have a, a little meal afterwards uh, also that day, and uh, It'll be a great thing. So we'll give you more details on that, but I just kind of wanted to give you the heads up that that is coming up in uh, in a little bit. So I guess a month from now. All right, uh, I want to take a moment here for creation moment. And uh, I've kind of given this one before a little bit, um, but we're going to highlight it one more time here. And that is uh, the giraffe's wonderful net. Uh, you don't really think of giraffes with wonderful nets, but... Um, but here we go. Job 9 and verse 10 says, "...which doeth great things past finding out, yea, wonders without number." Have you ever stand, stood up a little too quickly and got dizzy? How many have been there got a little lightheaded? You know, whoa. How many that happens a little more often than you wish it would? Yeah. Um, so that happens by, because by standing, you may have temporarily lowered the blood pressure in your brain. Can you imagine what can happen when the giraffe, giraffe swings his head from the ground to the treetop? Talk about getting lightheaded. Well, the giraffe's heart and the rest of his cardiovascular system are very different from ours and from most other creatures. If it weren't different, there wouldn't be any giraffes. In order to get his blood all the way from his heart up that long neck to his brain, the giraffe's heart must produce twice as much blood pressure as would be expected in an animal in an animal his height. But the giraffe's brain is very sensitive to high blood pressure. So giraffes have been given a special structure that's been called the wonder net, where the blood supply enters his brain. This wonder net keeps the blood pressure in the giraffe's brain just where it should be, 
Even if the giraffe drops his head quickly, say from nibbling a treetop to take a drink of water, the blood pressure in his head remains safe. The WonderNet can quickly control such rapid changes. And to prevent used blood from draining back into his brain when he lowers his head, the giraffe has a special set of one-way check valves in his neck. When we talk about our Creator, we need not be afraid that some people will think we're talking about worthless things. Truly, the wonders of the Creator, uh, the wonders the Creator has made, are great and worthy to be told to people far and wide. And the giraffe is a beautiful example of uh, God's creative ability and thinking through every detail. Um, and uh, if if this particular wonder net evolved over time, how did how did we even get giraffes? Right? If if they were trying to figure this out as time went on and trying to adapt to it there wouldn't be any giraffes because when they did that, they would, their, their brain would explode. So uh, the Lord put this in there on the day they were created. And uh, praise the Lord for what the Lord did there. All right, we'll have the children come at this time uh, and uh, give any, uh, quote any verses that they might have uh, to share. And Miss Jesse, would you mind being the... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Wonderful. Good job. Nailed it. Colossians three fifteen, And let your... And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called according to, I mean, no, to the which ye are called in one body, and be thankful. Good job. Nice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12, 1. Very good. Nice. <laughs> Psalms 86, 12. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. Good job. Very good job. Ephesians four thirty two. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Good job. That's a good verse. A good verse to know and a good verse to live out. All right, let's go ahead and uh, sing one more song together. Let's stand and uh, sing I Need Thee Every Hour, page 476 in your hymnal. Okay, I Need Thee Every Hour.
Take your Bible and remain standing as we read this passage. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter number 27. Genesis chapter 27. And we're going to read the first six verses here. Thank you to all involved in the music ministry. Um, It's been a blessing today and appreciate your uh, service for the Lord. Appreciate your faithfulness. And we've been talking about that throughout the day today. Genesis chapter 47, and we'll read the first six verses here. Chapter 47, verse 1 says, Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said moreover unto Pharaoh, For to sojourn in the land are we come, for thy servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee, The land of Egypt is before thee, in the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen let them dwell. And if thou knowest any man of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. And uh, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your house tonight, to fellowship with one another, to sing praises to you. Uh, Just thank you for uh, your many goodness, your, your many blessings in our lives and your goodness to our church. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless this service, um, bless this message as it goes forth tonight. I pray that we would have open hearts to what you'd have for us and that you would help us to apply the truth to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So last Sunday, as we've made our way through this uh, series on the life of Joseph, uh, last Sunday we looked at the end of chapter 45 and chapter 46, all of chapter 46 last Sunday. And in that, we saw how Jacob responded to the very shocking news that Joseph was still alive and that he was a man of great influence and power. If you look in chapter 45, in verse number 26, it says, And the brothers, uh, the sons, told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And jo- Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. This was completely shocking news, because for over 20 years, remember, Jacob had believed that Joseph was a dead man. Uh, but he's not. And uh, when they came and brought him word that he was yet alive, and that he was the governor over all the land of Egypt, he refused to believe. Um, And so he first responded in unbelief as Jacob, but then as Israel, he responded in belief and faith. In verse number 28, Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. And we, we highlighted the fact that when Scripture uses the name Jacob, 
It's typically in a self-serving way. It's typically in a, a fearful way. Uh, when he's acting on human emotion and uh, human logic. But then uh, when God uses the name Israel to describe this man, uh, he is a man of faith and a man of belief and trust in the Lord and uh, a prince of God. And so anyway, we, we, we saw that and we asked the question, okay, when we get shocking news, when we find out something that's going on in our life, whether it's good or bad, do we respond like Jacob or do we respond like Israel? Uh, do we respond out of unbelief or do we respond in faith? And so we looked at that. And then, and then we saw Jacob's encounter with the Lord as they made their way down to Egypt in the beginning of chapter 46. And in that, God gave uh, Jacob three different uh, promises. Look in verse number three at the end of it. It says, Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. But then verse 4, here's a couple promises that we can kind of apply to our own lives. Uh, verse 4, I will go down with thee into Egypt. So as uh, Jacob goes into Egypt, which again, for those of us who remember, Egypt is a type or a picture of the world. And uh, those of us who are in the world, we have the same promise that he will be with us in this world. And uh, Jesus has promised to send a comforter who would always be with us and never leave us nor forsake us. But then also in verse number four, we see the, four, the third promise. He said, and I will surely bring thee up again. And uh, does that not remind you of the promise that Jesus made to his disciples? He said, you know, uh, you believe in me, believe also in God, that, uh, and I am going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also, and I will come again unto you to receive you unto myself, that where I, where I am, there you may be also. And so the promise that he's going to bring them up out of Egypt is the same promise that he's made to us, that he would bring us out of this world. And I'm looking forward to that day when we do get to pass from this life into the next. I'm not looking for it to happen today, but I'm ready for it to happen today if the Lord should choose. And uh, so uh, we saw that, and then uh, we also saw the people listed in verses 8 all the way down through, uh, let's see, verse number 26 and 27, uh, the different people that, uh, that came with Jacob uh, into Egypt. And then uh, we looked at the emotional family reunion as Joseph and his dad embraced and wept a good while, the Bible says. And then the special provision Joseph announced to his family in uh, verses uh, let's see, verse 31 down through verse 34, that they would dwell in Goshen, and it was tailor-made for them. It was specific to them, and uh, we looked at the fact that God has specific tailor-made blessings for me, for me not to compare myself to you, and for you to not compare yourself to the blessings that I have, but to be content with uh, whatever state we are in. And so that was last Sunday, just to kind of bring us back up to speed. And then uh, tonight, uh, we're going to look at settling into a new home. As Joseph, or I'm sorry, it was Jacob and, or Israel and his family settle there into Egypt. Now, uh, we've had the opportunity, my wife and I have had the opportunity to settle into a new home multiple times, six times to be exact. Um, Three times in California, we settled into a home. First was a uh, two-bedroom condo in Santa Ana, and uh, we lived there for about two years. Then we moved into a three-bedroom townhouse 
uh, also in Santa Ana. Um, and then uh, a couple years later, we moved into a four-bedroom home, a single-family home in uh, Orange, California. And uh, to have a four-bedroom, single-family home in Orange, California, or in Orange County, was kind of a mind-blowing thing. But it was all the Lord's doing, and uh, we are we were thankful for it. So we moved three times in California. Then we moved up to Montana. Uh, the first time we moved in, we moved into a rental home, and then uh, we ended up being there for about a year and year and a half, maybe. Uh, and then we ended up moving to. Uh, a very large home in Montana. It was over 4,000 square feet there in Montana. And the, the Nuts had the privilege of seeing that. The privilege of seeing it. You guys got to see that. And uh, not that it was a privilege. Uh, but anyway, they, they, they were able to come and, and, uh, and see that house. And then the Lord directed us to move here to Oklahoma. And we settled into a new home here in Oklahoma. And we're thankful for uh, that. And so, how many of you had the opportunity to move several times? Yeah, most of you have had the opportunity to do that. And so, you know the work that goes into it. You know the, uh, the new people that you're going to meet, the new neighbors and all of that uh, whole situation. And uh, the Armstrongs are doing that right now. They're settling into a new home. Well, they're trying to build a home first, but <laughs> get a home settleable. Uh, and then they're going to settle in it. But uh, anyway, it's, it's a process, and, uh, and this is what happens here in chapter 47. And so tonight we're going to take uh, the next few minutes and just kind of study this chapter and uh, hopefully learn some lessons as we go through this. So first of all, I want us to see, number one tonight, the presentation of the family, the presentation of the family. And uh, we read it a moment ago how Joseph came and presented his... Um, his family to Pharaoh. And uh, this is found really in chapter 47, verses 1 through, um, let's see here, verse number really 10. And so, uh, first of all, we, we see how he presented, first of all, his brothers. And uh, that's the beginning part, what we, re- we just read a moment ago. Verse number 2, it says, He took some of his brethren, even how many men? Thank you. Somebody's actually paying attention. Thank you. I appreciate that. Verse 2 says, He took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. Now, it is interesting to me tonight that Joseph only picked five of his brothers to present to Pharaoh. Now, he had more than five brothers, right? Why did he pick just five? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly why, and the Bible doesn't tell us which brothers he picked. Nor does it tell us what caused him to pick the ones that he did. But knowing Joseph, do you think he picked the best-looking brothers or the most witty brothers or the most wealthy brothers? Uh, That probably wasn't necessarily the main qualification that he was looking for as he decided which brothers to pick. I believe he picked the most trustworthy, the most faithful and, uh, and I can't prove that from the Bible, but I mean, just knowing Joseph and his character, um, I think he picked, and I know that, uh, you know, in Bible college and homiletics class, and Brother Blake would, would maybe remember this, uh, you're never supposed to say, I believe or I, I think when you're preaching. But uh, here I am saying, I think and I believe. Uh, but, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of speculating here, but uh, the truth of the matter is, I, I do think that I'm, I'm right in saying that Joseph picked the most trustworthy brothers 
to present to Pharaoh, the most faithful of the bunch. And uh, we've been talking about faithfulness uh, throughout the day. And uh, I wonder if you were in that group, if Joseph would have picked you to present to Pharaoh. If you were one of the more trustworthy, if you were one of the more faithful ones. And again, I'm kind of preaching off of speculation here, but, um, but I think that there's some value in uh, speculating that he picked faithful, uh, the faithful brothers, the five faithful ones. And I'm not sure which ones. I, I happen to think that probably it was Benjamin was one of them. Uh, he had a special relationship with Benjamin. Um, Judah, probably. Um, maybe Simeon. And uh, those are the ones that I kind of came up with, but I don't, I don't know. But if jo- Joseph was looking for the five most faithful people here in Cornerstone Baptist Church, would he pick me? Would he pick you? I don't know. But he presents these five to Pharaoh, and then they have this conversation. He says, what is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, and uh, Joseph already told them what to say. He said, or they they commented, well, we're we're shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And uh, we're we're here sojourning in the land, and uh, we have no pasture for our flocks. The famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Please let let us uh, dwell in the land of Goshen. And so Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, and uh, he said, The land of Egypt is before thee, verse 6, and uh, you guys can dwell in the land of Goshen, which, by the way, is the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell in. And so Goshen was kind of the best, the most fruitful um, uh, land and a fruitful land, and that's the land that uh, Pharaoh allowed them to live in, and that, that was a blessing. So he presents, first of all, his brothers, and again, would, would, would he have picked you? If, if indeed he was looking for the most faithful of the bunch, would he have picked you? And uh, let, let, look here at the end of verse number 6. This is interesting too. And this is Pharaoh's words to Joseph and his, and his brothers. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. So that was quite a privilege to be, talk about privilege, not coming to my house was a privilege, but being one of Pharaoh's shepherds, that was a privilege. That was, that was quite a high rank, you know, to be responsible over the kings, the royal uh, herd. And uh, so he said, I want you to get some men of activity. Again, would he have picked you? Would he have picked the most faithful of the bunch? Uh, and would he have picked you for that particular uh, opportunity? I hope the answer is yes. I hope that all of us are faithful enough to where we would be picked to do something that required special attention. So he presents, first of all, his brothers, but then he also presented his father in verse number 7. Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. And notice this, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. In verse 8, And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? Now, <laughs> I don't know if that's like the, a compliment to be asked that, when the first thing that the king says to you is, Hey, how old are you? Uh, he, he looked probably pretty old, and, and uh, knowing what 
what Jacob had gone through and the emotional trauma that, that he experienced in his life with uh, his, his favorite son thinking for 20 years he was dead and then uh, the, the wife that he loved so much, Rachel, dying uh, when Benjamin was born and just the, the emotional trauma, no doubt he looked old. And uh, verse number nine, Jacob said unto Pharaoh, well, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. So... Yeah, he's, he's up there, my friend. <laughs> 130 years, few and evil have been the days of the years of my, uh, the years of my life been. That's an interesting comment and, uh, and, uh, and a message for a different time, I suppose. But um, he, he didn't look back over his life with a lot of fondness. And that's sad. Um, God did bless him and he was... I mean, the nation of Israel today bears his name. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a great thing that, uh, and God promised so many things to the nation of Israel. And, it, and, and he gets to the year 130 and he says, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. Interesting. And he said, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. And then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. The thing I want to point out in this uh, particular encounter here was that as Jacob makes his way and starts the conversation with Pharaoh, starts his meeting, uh, in verse number uh, 7 it says, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And then in verse 10 it says, Jacob blessed Pharaoh again at the end of the meeting. So, uh, when, when Jacob sees Pharaoh, he blesses him twice, once at the beginning and once when he leaves. And it's interesting to me tonight that Jacob didn't come into that meeting seeking a blessing. Instead, he came into that meeting seeking to be a blessing. And that's a significant difference, isn't it? Uh, when you meet with someone, are you looking for that, that person to be a blessing to you? Or are you striving to be a blessing to that person? And the encouragement for us tonight is to follow Jacob's example here and desire to be a blessing, not to seek a blessing. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. So carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. May that be our song. May that be our desire as we go through our life. Not, Lord, give me a blessing. But, Lord, make me a blessing. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples as he sent them out in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 8. He said, freely ye have received, freely give. I've blessed you, not so that you can keep it and brag about how much blessing you've gotten, but so that you can go and then be a blessing to others. And uh, brothers and sisters, as we go through our week this week, let's desire to be a blessing to those around us and to bless those instead of seek a blessing uh, from those in our lives. And then in verse number 12, well, let's read here in verse number 11, Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt and the best of the land and the land of Ramses as Pharaoh had commanded. And then Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. 
So in verse 12, it mentions that Joseph nourished his family. Do you remember way back in chapter 45, uh, in verse 11? Let's look back over there and see what Joseph promised to his brethren. Genesis 45 and verse 11. As, remember, in chapter 45, he reveals himself to his brothers. It's an emotional expression of forgiveness, of grace. But in verse number 10, he comments here and he says, And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. So he promises in chapter 45, verse 11, that he would nourish them, that he would bless them, that he would take care of them. Well, in chapter number 47, in verse number uh, 12, it says, And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household. So the promise, he fulfilled his promise. And the encouragement here is the fact that Joseph kept his word. He was faithful to his promise. And for us to be men and women, uh, teenagers of our word, James 5 and verse 12 says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into the condemnation. And so if you say you're going to do something, do it like, like Joseph did. He said, I'm going to nourish your family. I'm going to nourish uh, all of you and take care of you. In chapter 47, verse 12, he does what he promised that he was going to do. And so if you make a promise to God, you make a promise to someone else, fulfill that promise. Uh, be a man or a woman of your word and where your word is your bond. There, don't, don't, don't say, well, look, I, I was just kidding. I mean, imagine if Joseph would have said that when they all got to Egypt. Oh, yeah, I was just kidding. <laughs> I didn't really mean it. That would have been a bummer as they were trying to settle into their new home uh, they had someone to really take care of them, and that was, that was a blessing that Joseph fulfilled his word, fulfilled his promise. But then I see number two here as we continue on through this chapter, the problem of the land. The problem of the land. And verse number 13, I'm going to kind of read through this passage, so just follow along as we go through this. Um, we're going to read down through uh, verse number 26. Verse 13 says, And there was no bread, in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when Pharaoh made Joseph the second in command, that was a very wise financial decision for Pharaoh. Very wise. Uh, it was a very lucrative decision <laughs> uh, because Joseph did bring a ton of money into, the Pharaoh, into Pharaoh's house. Well, verse 15, And when money failed in the land of Egypt, in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Oh, please give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. So it got so bad that people bought all the corn, and they were all out of money. They were all bankrupt. And so they said, uh, please give us bread. We don't have any more money. I mean, what, what are we going to do? Verse 16, Joseph said, give your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle if money fail. So he said, 
If you are out of money and you've got cattle, go ahead and give that, and I'll trade you. Uh, we'll start uh, instead of uh, we'll start bartering and trading, and uh, that's what the type of society was ending up being because money was gone, and uh, so they began to use their cattle, their possessions as uh, as currency. Verse seventeen: They brought their cattle unto Joseph. Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for the flocks and for the cattle of the herds uh, and for the asses, and he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. So they used their animals, uh, their flocks, and they used them as currency to purchase food for their families. Well, verse 18, it continued on, though. When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year. And said unto him, We will not hide it from my Lord, how that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not aught left in the sight of my Lord, but our bodies and our lands. We said, We've given you all of our money. We've given you all of our animals, all of our possessions. All we have left is our bodies and the land in which we live on. Well, what does Joseph do? Well, they, or, I'm sorry, verse 19, they continue on. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land, by us and our land for bread? And we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh and give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. So the people came up with the idea that, hey, we'll sell our land to you and you again give us bread to eat, give us uh, food for our families. Well, here's what Joseph did in verse 20. Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them, so the land became Pharaoh's. So they began to use their land and their, you know, their bonds and their, um, you know, all the different things that they had to kind of liquidate in order to pay for their food, and they did that. They they sold their land to uh, Joseph. And verse twenty one: As for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt, even to the other end thereof. Only the land of the priests bought he not, for the priests had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh, and did eat their portion which Pharaoh gave them, wherefore they sold not their land. So there was a segment of society, the religious people there in Egypt, and these religious people were not godly Christian, God-fearing people. These, were, uh, these priests did not uh, believe in Jehovah God, but they had uh, a special uh, dispensation, so to speak. They were able to, uh, Pharaoh kind of had a special agreement with them. So Joseph really couldn't do anything with them. Well, verse 23, Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land. Came to pass in the increase that ye shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own. For seed of the field, and for your food, and for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. And uh, this was a very fair deal that Joseph uh, made here with them. He gave them land, and he said, basically, I'm going to just simply tax you 20%. Um, whatever crops you end up, 20% belongs to the government, and uh, you keep the other 80% for your family. He didn't have to do that. He could have said 100% belongs to the government. But uh, Joseph was endeavoring to be gracious and fair uh, to Pharaoh and also to the people there. Well, verse 20, uh, 25, this is a significant verse here. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives 
Let us find grace in thy sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And uh, I just want to kind of highlight that verse as we uh, continue on with this message. But the heart of the people toward Joseph, they were grateful for how Joseph had saved their lives, and they were willing to serve the king. Do you see the parallel for those of us who are believers? The heart of the people toward Joseph. They were grateful for how Joseph saved their lives, and then as a result, they were willing to serve the king. Joseph is a picture of Christ, a type of Christ. The heart of the people toward Joseph. They were grateful for how Joseph, or in our case, how Jesus saved our lives, and they were willing to serve the king, and we should be willing to serve the king. So let's read verse 25 again. They said, Thou hast saved our lives, let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. The idea is that we as believers would say the same thing to the Lord. Thou hast saved our lives, let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be not Pharaoh's servants, but the Lord's servants, the king of kings' servants, and we will do that willingly. So the question is tonight, where are the Christians who would recognize all that Christ has done to save us and then express that gratitude by desiring to serve the King of Kings? Remember, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Uh, remember the song, that my, one of my favorite hymns of all time, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, the last verse of that song says, Were the whole realm of nature mine? That were a present far too small. But love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 15, Paul said, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And we see that mentality in the people of Egypt there as they uh, realized how much that Joseph did to save their lives physically. And as a result, they were willing to be the king's servants. God has done above and beyond to save our lives spiritually, to give us forgiveness of sins, to offer us a home in heaven. And as a result of that, we should be willing to serve him with our whole hearts and uh, to not just serve ourselves. So we see, uh, number two, the problem of the land. Uh, let me read here, verse 26. And Joseph then made it a law over the land of Egypt, and to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth part, except the land of the priests only, which became not Pharaoh's. So the problem of the land. But then let's, let's notice number three here, the pro prosperity of Israel. Prosperity of Israel, verse 27. Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein, and they grew and multiplied exceedingly. And jo Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. And so the prosperity of Egypt, or, I'm sorry, of Israel as, he, as they settled into Egypt, uh, those 17 years uh, brought tremendous prosperity. And, and, of course, this is a picture of the abundant life that Christ promises His children. While we are living in this world, does this mean that we will also be healthy, wealthy, and wise all of the time? I wish that was the case, right? Don't you? 
Uh, but that's not the case. Spiritually speaking, though, we can indeed prosper and multiply exceedingly. John 10 and verse 10, John said this, or Jesus said this, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, Jesus said, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so, yeah, we may not get abundant physical, material blessings here on this earth, although God does take care of those too. But ultimately, he, take, he gives us abundant life, spiritually speaking, that this world cannot offer. And uh, we can have prosperity in our Egypt as well. But then we see, number four, the promise of Joseph. And this is found in verses 29 through 31. In verse 29, the time drew nigh that Israel must die. So he knew that his days were numbered and his time to pass from this life to the next was drawing nigh. And so, verse 29, he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And that's kind of an interesting uh, situation there. Um, kind of an awkward thing for us in our culture, right? If uh, Brother Blake asked me to make a special promise and said, "Put your," I'm not doing it, brother. Uh, let's shake on it, okay? That's, that's, what we're, that's, that's what we do in our culture today, right? We, we shake on it. We, we make a promise and in, in that way, or we sign a piece of paper. But in, but in Bible days, when they made an oath, uh, this was a common way of doing that, and I'm glad we don't do it like that anymore. Uh, but uh, So that's what he said to his son. He said, uh, put your hand, I pray thee, under my thigh, and uh, deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him. And Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. So a couple of things I want to point out as we uh, kind of wrap this up tonight. Uh, while Jacob was dwelling in Egypt, Egypt was not dwelling in Jacob. Because Jacob's heart was still back in Canaan, and he wanted to be buried there. He didn't want to be buried in Egypt. He wanted to go back to where his homeland was. And so he made Joseph promise to take him back to be buried among his, among his fathers. And so, as I said, while Jacob was in Egypt for 17 years, it's evident that Egypt was not in Jacob. Someone once said that a ship is safe in the ocean as long as the ocean is not in the ship. I'm glad our power didn't just go out there, a little, uh, little flicker. But a ship is safe in the ocean as long as the ocean is not in the ship. And a Christian is safe in this world as long as the world is not in the Christian. So that was the case here for Jacob and Israel. As he lived here in Egypt, he, he maintained who he really was. And he was a man of Canaan. He was a man... Uh, that he knew that he belonged in the land of promise. And you and I who are here in this world, I need to remember that this is not our real home. Uh, the song says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. But too many Christians are so focused on this life and we put, really do have treasures here underneath the blue. Um, I'm not opposed to having uh, blessings and all of that, but if that's our focus, 
It's the wrong focus. Uh, Jacob recognized the fact that, yeah, he got to uh, hang out in Egypt for a little while, but then afterwards he wanted to go back home. And uh, Joseph's brothers understood this too. In verse number 4 of chapter 47, in this chapter, he said, For to sojourn in the land are we come. Sojourn doesn't mean we are hanging out here forever. It's just for a season. And you and I are placed here in this world for a season. This is not our permanent dwelling place. We're just hanging out here until the Lord calls us to our promised land called heaven. As we are in this promised land, there are two ditches on the road uh, of the road that we want to avoid. One ditch is to be the reclusive hermit Christian who raises their family so sheltered that there's very little awareness of what's really going on in this world. And they're like, hey, I don't want to be, I, I know I'm in this world, but I know I'm not supposed to be of this world, so therefore I'm going to hide from the world. I'm going to uh, just be, and, and we saw this all the time in Montana, people who uh, wanted, not necessarily Christian people, but they just wanted to be like off-grid, you know. They wanted to be out on their own. They wanted to maybe have some of those amenities, but they didn't want anybody to bother them. They just kind of wanted to be left alone. And there are Christians like that who, who say, you know, now we're in this world, but we're going to shelter ourselves from everything that this world, or everything that is going on in this world. So that's one ditch. And uh, then there's the other ditch on the other side of the road that uh, swings too far to the other direction. The whole, I want my kids to know everything that's going on so they can decide for themselves. Um, I want to remind us this, this evening that the Bible teaches us in Romans 16, 19, I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Be careful about uh, exposing your children to everything under the sun. Because uh, we don't have to know everything there is to know about sin. Um, we are to be different and we are to stand out. Light is different from the darkness and stands out from the darkness. So there's a balance here between being too sheltered and being too exposed. And this is where the guidance of the Holy Spirit comes in to each dad and mom here tonight. So please pray the Lord gives you wisdom on what you allow your children to be exposed to. And, and here's one warning. Once you expose your children to something, you cannot undo that exposure. Uh, you let them watch that movie that has certain scenes and certain language they're going to be exposed to that from that time forward. It's too late once they see that movie. Uh, that memory is there, and you cannot undo that. And so be careful. But the truth here is that the Lord has placed in this world to make a difference, to shine brightly in the darkness. But the problem, is, the problem comes when we start allowing that darkness then to dim our light, when we start becoming like the world. 2 Corinthians 6.17 is still in my Bible here in 2020. And it says this, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing. We're still told in 1 John chapter 2 and, and, to, to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. 
So be careful about, yes, we're in the world. Be careful about how much like the world you become, though. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we need to go to this ditch and hide from the world. Because Matthew 5.16 says this, Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men alight a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we need to find the balance, right? We need to be a witness. God's placed us here to uh, punch holes in the darkness. And we can't do that if we're hiding. And we can't do that if we're living in darkness. You see? Uh, so we need to find that balance. And, uh, and we see that balance found in, in, in Jacob. Uh, quite a contrary, very different than, than Lot, right? Lot went into Sodom and he became like Sodom. So much so that his own family uh, mocked when he started talking about the Lord. I thought he was just goofing off and making fun of He lost his testimony because they became so much like the world, so much like Sodom, that uh, uh, there, there was no testimony there. So we need to find the balance like Jacob did. Yes, he lived in Egypt, but his heart was still in the promised land. And yes, we are in this world, but our heart needs to be up above where we are citizens of heaven. And we need to act like it. Verse 31, notice here he says this, uh, or it says this about Jacob. Um, after they make this promise, and Israel bowed himself on the bed's head. What does that really mean? Well, I think Hebrews 11.21 sheds light on what that means here. After his son promised to take him back to his homeland, uh, the Bible, I believe, is indicating here that he was worshiping the Lord and thanking God for uh, what has been tra- what transpired. Hebrews 11.21 says this, By faith Jacob, when he was a-dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and we'll learn about that in chapter 48. But then it says, And worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. And uh, that, that could have been the bed's head there as he leaned upon the top of his staff. Um, but uh, the, only, the only person in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the hall of faith, right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the only person that the writer of Hebrews highlighted the fact that he worshipped. Only one in that chapter who uh, was mentioned that worshipped, and that was Joseph. And I believe that that took place here as he realized that his son was going to take him back to his homeland. That Joseph, a type of Christ, would bring him to the promised land. Right? Does that not want to make you worship the Lord? Uh, for the promise that Jesus, remember Joseph is a type of Christ, Jesus has promised to take us back to our homeland. And hopefully that should cause us to desire to worship the Lord as well. So several important lessons for us to take home with us as we look at chapter 47 as they settled into their new home. And uh, Jacob was realized that that home wasn't a permanent home, that he was just passing through. And so uh, this earth, I mean, I'm thankful for it. I'm glad we live in Oklahoma. I mean, the beauty of Oklahoma is just breathtaking, especially compared to Montana. Uh, no, Montana is actually pretty breathtaking too. But, um, and, and there's some beauty here too. You all are beautiful. Um, you guys weren't in Montana, and you guys are beautiful 
uh, people to look at. But, um, but here's the thing. We can't get too used to what we have here uh, because God has prepared something much better for us beyond the blue. And so let's make sure that our hearts are there. And while we're here, to not become like the world, but then not to be too reclusive to where we're not making a difference in this world. So finding that balance and uh, following the guidance of the Holy Spirit in all of that. And with that, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here tonight, to be in your house, to be challenged from the life of Joseph and uh, several important lessons for us tonight. Um, And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to take heed and uh, to be mindful to follow your word as we go our way this week. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's all stand together here. We're going to sing uh, Thank You, Lord. We'll just sing this one time through, and then uh, we're, we're almost done. I do want to do one more thing after we sing tonight. But thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. may be seated, except for Ms. Dolores. You need to come to the platform. You're in trouble. Ms. Dolores has been a tremendous blessing in our missions program. We support uh, well over 45 missionaries here at our church. And uh, to keep track of all the correspondence, uh, to send out a, is it called bi-monthly? Twice a month. I don't know what that's really called, how you say that. Is it twice monthly? Twice monthly is what we're going to say. A twice monthly email uh, and posting all of these uh, missionary letters on our website. She comes in uh, one day a week and uh, pours her time and energy into making all this happen and uh, just giving a lot of time. She does it on a volunteer basis, and uh, she is a blessing. And uh, I appreciate what she has done, and I know you all do too. And so uh, tonight we wanted to just honor you and thank you for all that you've done. And so we have a special little basket here that has been prepared for you. And uh, don't throw away that card uh, because there might be some fun things in there for... Uh, and the cool part is you don't even have to share this with Brother Scott, okay? This is all yours. So, so, <laughs> so... Anyway, we love you, and we appreciate all that you've done in uh, overseeing that and uh, taking that on as a volunteer and as a faithful servant of the Lord. And so we learned about faithfulness uh, today. This is a lady who's uh, expressed that in this area, and uh, we just want to say thank you. So let's thank her this evening and for all that she's done. So thank you very much. You may be seated. And again, you can share or not share. It's up to you. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Brother Scott, thank you for letting her do that as well. And uh, just love you guys. And uh, you guys are a tremendous blessing in our church. And uh, thank you again for helping us with the missions. And uh, the Lord is, 
uh, knows every hour, every moment that you spent trying to work on HTML and uh, dealing with our website. And if you don't know what HTML is, it's a website language uh, that she's had to learn. And uh, she's learned it and learned it well and did a good job with it. And so I just appreciate them very, very much. All right. Well, it's been a good day in the house of the Lord. Let's have, uh, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer and uh, have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night. And if you need anything, uh, please uh, reach out. We are here to be a blessing to you. And let's go this week seeking to be a blessing, not seeking to be blessed, but to seek to serve and be a blessing to those around us. And uh, Brother Randy, uh, would you mind uh, dismissing us in a word of prayer tonight?